So there was this one summer day where we have these friends that have a pool up that up the the road from us, and the wife called down, asked us to go up swimming. My my wife and I, because the kids were all gone, and, and I I found out well the husband's not going to be there, and my wife's a talker, and the the woman up there's a talker, and I'm thinking, I don't want to go up there. <laughs> so I told my wife I'm going to go paddleboarding, and we'll meet up in a couple hours. So when I when I'm loading up the paddleboard when I'm done. I hear this woman say, you want to go to Dairy Queen? And I look up and she's like decked out in a bikini. And I'm like, not a chance. Yeah. <laughs> you remember this? <laughs> and she goes, oh, come on, I'll give you five bucks. And I go, once again, not a chance. But I thought to myself, you know, guys that we work with have that experience all the time, but some of them have experiences where they froze. Podcast. I'm Randy Everett, your co-host, and today we are here again with our host, Dr. Greg Miller. Greg, how are you today? Good to be here. And we have a special guest. We have uh, reached into <laughs> our talent pool here at Faithful and True and have snagged our clinical director, Jim Farm. Jim, how are you doing? I am doing good. It's good to be here. I'm excited for the workshop uh, that we're having tomorrow. Starting tomorrow morning. And our, our producer of the podcast, Aaron Wellman, uh, asked me to give you the responsibility of introducing yourself today on today's podcast with all of your credentials. Oh. Yeah, basically the question is, why should we listen yeah, to you? Why, <laughs> why am I spending 25 minutes listening why to this? What does this man know? What does he know? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, that's always been the question, actually. <laughs> Because, you know, like you, Greg, I've been in ministry. I've also been a counselor. So it's like when people ask me, they're like, are you a pastor? Are you a counselor? I'm like, I don't know. Yeah. Well, what if yeah. I just using, don't want to do. Using our language here at Faithful and True, you are both. It's the andness of Jim. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That you mm-hmm. have background in theological education and experience in ministry. And you also have um, a degree in, in counseling and have clinical experience. Yeah. So we benefit from both of those perspectives. And in fact, in the course of our um, podcast today, I think we're going to get to see both sides of who you are and how you show up. So we're very glad that you are here. Yeah, thanks, Greg. Well, sure. the, the podcast that we're doing now actually comes from a question, a conversation that you had in one of your groups. So what if you just introduce the question? Yeah, well, actually, it's it, multiple groups. And this happens quite often, actually, is where a guy says, you know, I didn't even see it coming. Right. You know, and I bring this up not to have an excuse for a guy's acting out, but just the reality of these experiences. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, where, you know, all of a sudden, you know, you're at a place and then uh, an opportunity comes up and, and to act out. I always kind of give this example, and I, I shared this with Randy about six years ago. I don't know if you remember <laughs> this story, but. Oh, I write down everything you tell me. <laughs> so there was this one summer day where. We have these friends that have a pool up that up the the road from us, and the wife called down, asked us to go up swimming. My my wife and I, because the kids were all gone, and, and I I found out well the husband's not going to be there, and my wife's a talker, and the the woman up there's a talker, and I'm thinking, I don't want to go up there, <laughs> so I told my wife I'm going to go paddleboarding, and we'll meet up in a couple hours. So when I when I'm loading up the paddleboard when I'm done, I hear this woman say. You want to go to Dairy Queen? And I look up and she's like 
decked out in a bikini, and I'm like, not a chance. Yeah. <laughs> you remember this? <laughs> and she goes, oh, come on, I'll give you five bucks. And I go, once again, not a chance. But I thought to myself, you know, guys that we work with have that experience all the time, but some of them have experiences where they froze. Right. Well, and part, part of it is we, we teach guys at the workshop to get prepared for circumstances that are coming up. But what's true is sometimes we are completely caught off guard when something happens, that yeah. this opportunity that we weren't expected, you know, maybe we were just looking at the scores or maybe we were reading the news and then something pops into our view that we weren't anticipating. Um, sometimes we're out in public and somebody approaches us in a way that um, is triggering for us or confusing for us. And I think you're right. Part, part of how we respond in that moment is dependent upon our own story and some experiences that we've had in the, the past. And we may give a lot of coaching. We may give some guidelines to men on what to do when these things happen. What's challenging is when you are actually in the moment being able to resource all of your neurochemistry, all of your thinking in order to respond in a new way. Yeah. And that's a hard task because some of those reactions are happen within a quarter of a second. Right. Yeah. You know, and so you don't, without, you know, intentional planning, it's really hard to slow down, slow yeah. down that time. Yeah. And when, one thing, I think for a lot of wives, they may assume that if their husband does come across one of these cir circumstances where the drug is readily available, I think sometimes wives may assume that the husband's are excited about it and maybe even eager for that. But the reality is for a lot of men, what that actually triggers is fear. Yeah. And it's a kind of a combination of fear. It's the fear of what do I do in this moment or how do I respond in this moment? Um, some chaos that is created from that. There can also be fear of, oh my gosh, have I done something wrong? When I tell my wife, is she going to be upset? And so in talking to men and being in groups, a lot of times the, the reaction, the thing that they need to process is the level of fear it created when this opportunity was presented to them. Yeah, yeah. She had me at Dairy Queen. <laughs> that was the part I couldn't yeah. Right. How am I supposed to turn it on Dairy Queen? My blizzard. Yeah, I, I want my blizzard. Exactly. What else did you have in mind? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, you're exactly right, Greg, because I think about, you know, I, like the, the guy that I, that I was talking about earlier about, well, no, I didn't talk about the story about one of my clients that, you know, got, you know, um, kind of in this situation where a woman had kind of confronted him unexpectedly. Mm -hmm. And I reminded him that, you know, when he was four, a similar experience had happened when he was sexually abused. And, and I actually asked him, how did you feel? Like, what age did you feel when that woman did that? And he said, I think I felt like I was four again. Mm -hmm. Right. And I just didn't even know what to say. I didn't, I didn't even know what to do. And I didn't feel like I had the capacity to do anything. Well, and it's that idea that um, sometimes when we are um, moved towards in a sexual way, instead of it feeling invitational, depending on what our stories are, we actually feel threatened by it. I think that that's a great example that you're using where for someone who experienced some sort of sexual invasion where there was abuse, there was unwanted attention, there was unwanted focus, instead of it being something that is exciting and inviting, being invited to, it actually creates a lot of fear and anxiety because like you've said, they are triggered back into that younger version of them that really didn't have an option or a choice and felt stuck in this space. And that younger version of them is the one that is showing up. 
And so part, part of the, I think the strategy is recognizing if I'm out and something unexpectedly comes my way, whether it's through technology or it's through um, a, a, an invitation or an engagement from a person, um, to recognize I've got to check in with myself to see really what is getting triggered in me in this moment. Yeah, yeah. And I think a big part of it, too, is 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 not staying in that place of isolation. Mm-hmm. So once, you know, if you have the capacity to, to, to get out of that isolation as quickly as possible. Right. Well, and the, the other piece is just that um, whether I have the capacity to say anything, whether I have the capacity to um, uh, engage what is going on, as soon as enough of me comes back online, and I think that's kind of what happens in that freeze moment, yeah. is we basically shut down. And in time, we start getting more present, we get more of us online. And when we are able to get more of us, more of ourselves online, we flee. We literally just exit the situation. We don't have to talk about it. We don't have to acknowledge it. We do whatever we have to do to get away from it as quickly as possible. And as we are doing that, to be able to reach out and connect. You know, there's a, a, a process that helps us become more present. I've heard a lot of therapists talk about it. I think it's a part of a somatic practice. But whenever we find ourselves shut down and disassociated, one of the things that we can do is begin to intentionally engage our senses. Yeah. And so we ask ourselves, what's something I'm seeing? What's something I'm hearing? What's something that I can feel? You know, what's something that um, I can here, but whatever sense I'm resourcing, um, I'm using that to get from disconnection into getting more present with myself. Yeah. Yeah. And I think the mere fact that you recognize you're frozen, remember the freeze response mm-hmm. is a stress response. That means I feel threatened. And so it, it should signal to us that I'm in danger. Right. Something dangerous is happening to me right now. And what helped me, what may be true for some men is they would say, you know what, sexual abuse was not a part of my story. I never felt that way. But what can happen is not I personally feel threatened. It's my recovery feels threatened. Mm-hmm. And so there's an indirect sense of threat. And that may be part of what causes me to freeze. Again, it's that processing, okay, what does this mean for my recovery? What do I have to report to somebody else? Who do I tell about this? And then that question of, have I done something wrong? Should I have done something different? Um, And sometimes we simply have to acknowledge that I stumbled into this situation. I was not looking for it. I did not intend for it to happen. I did not even anticipate it. And so when I stumble into it, I have to remind myself, I'm not responsible for somebody else's reaction to me. Whatever is mine, I need to take responsibility for. And some of what's going on is not my responsibility. Yeah, yeah. Because there is a part of that, that, you know, when those types of things happen, someone is attempting to push our boundaries Mm -hmm. across our place of safety. Mm -hmm. And so we shouldn't necessarily feel bad about upsetting them or disappointing them. Right. You know, like the the woman at the lake that I ran into, she was upset with me that I said not a chance. Right. I was like, Mm -hmm. I don't care. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, and I think another piece is we also, and that's that ownership piece of I have to evaluate, am I positioning myself in a place where some of this may be more accessible? Now, in your case, you know, you were out paddleboarding, you had no intent of connecting to someone. I mean, in fact, your intention was to do it by yourself. There are times, though, when we are in a public space where we may be putting ourselves at risk without 
maybe consciously being aware of it. So I work with a lot of men who travel and they will talk about maybe, you know, after a long day of work going down to the lobby or going to the bar and getting something to drink. Now, in of itself, that's not necessarily a bad thing. There are safer ways that you can do that. But if you're regularly putting yourself in social environments where there will be people who could initiate a conversation with you and you're there by yourself, then at some point you probably need to take responsibility if this is happening where people are approaching you. It may be important that you recognize maybe I am positioning myself in a place hoping, expecting that this might happen. But for the, the guy who goes maybe to the bar with a group of co-workers and is hanging out in community with other guys or colleagues, in that situation, he may be creating some safety because he's not there by himself. And it would be even safer if there were people there with him who knew his story and could support him as he's navigating this situation. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes the hard part of that, though, is if you've experienced, you know, being invaded or your boundaries being crossed, you tend to perceive boundaries as restrictive or not, you know, re restricting your freedom. Right. And so part of that is, you know, reclaiming, you know, God's original intent for boundaries, which is protection. Right. Mm -hmm. You know, that we often talk about. I often talk about Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden, you know, where God says, don't eat from that tree of knowledge of good and evil. Right. And what does Satan do? Why would he prevent you from eating from something that's good? Yeah. And our natural human tendency is, you're going to tell me not to do that, then I'm going to do it. Right. Well, you and it's, it's that idea, a while back we did a podcast um, on boundaries. And the, the principle of boundaries is when they are drawn well, then people are safe. Yeah. And so I think that's a great point. Again, just like the person who maybe is freezing because of some sort of invasion in the past sexually, we also respond to the idea of boundaries out of experiences that we had in our past. You know, if we grew up in an environment where boundaries weren't honored, um, where there were almost no boundaries, then we struggle creating those as adults. But what can also be true is if there was too much restriction, if boundaries were used to control, and we often hear stories of guys who grew up in the church and it was as if everything in their life was limited or they didn't have access to it because of these boundaries that they had, and now they are adults and they want to live in total freedom. But the problem is where there are no boundaries, there's also no freedom. That's right. And so we have to find that way of creating safe boundaries when we are in public, when we are traveling. And then if we are creating safe boundaries and this opportunity approaches us, we have more of the capacity to say no to something because we are in that safer place. Yeah, that's right. And just the mere fact that you're creating boundaries for yourself communicates value, that you, that you do sense value in yourself. Right. Mm -hmm. you know? I also think as we're talking about this, you know, we, we've talked about being approached by a person, but there are a variety of different ways that you know, the, the opportunity can come into our life. And I do think that one of them is about technology, yeah. that I may be getting online to check the scores or to do work. And this ad pops up and, you know, I'm, I have to find a way to respond to that. And I think part of it is going into a situation where it's a strong possibility that there may be an image or something that is triggering for you. You go into that place prepared. You go in ready for that. You, you know, we talk about at the workshop, this idea of fire drills, yeah. where I'm prepared. I already have created my strategy 
before I step into a space that might be difficult. Yeah. So if I'm going to be out in public, I have my strategy of what I'm going to do or how I'm going to respond if somebody approaches me. If I'm going online and something pops up that I wasn't looking for, I wasn't expecting, I already have my strategy in place of what I'm going to do to respond to that. Yeah, yeah. We often talk about that, or at least I do in my practices. You know, having vision and intentionality. Like if I'm going to go to the grocery store, why am I there? Mm-hmm. So it doesn't matter who shows up at the grocery store, but if I keep that vision in mind, why am I here? Mm-hmm. You see what I mean? Right, yeah. And just keep coming back to And that's why Mark, <clears throat> I think, talks so much about vision. Because if, if you maintain that vision, you know, you're not necessarily so reactive. Right. You're being more intentional about where you're going to go with things. But I like that technology thing. I don't know if I ever shared this story with you guys. But in 2016, I don't know why I remember that year, but... I was doing some research at my other practice before I came over here in the afternoon. And so I'm, I'm Googling this medical condition. I'm not going to say it, but it's a, it's a legit medical condition and it's a dot com. So I put it in here and I kid you not, all this pornography is coming flying at me. And I go, oh man, I must have typed in the wrong letter. So I, I do it again. And same thing. Same thing. And so I was supposed to have lunch with Mark and Deb. So I come here, you know to faithful and true at lunch to, to do my work here. And I, I tell Mark and Deb, you're not going to believe what happened this morning. I'm actually feeling kind of guilty. Like mm-hmm. I saw this, like I must right. have done something yeah, wrong. Yeah, like you asked for this trouble. And I kid you not, at the same exact time, I tell Mark and Deb this, and at the same exact time, almost in unison, Mark and Deb go, I'm sorry that happened to you. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, how did they do that? Right. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it just blew me out of the water. Like I felt like I did something wrong. I wasn't looking for it. But I got exposed to it, so it almost felt like I did something wrong. Mm-hmm. And they just nailed it like, I'm sorry, you, to have you were the right. victim. Well, yeah. and the, yes, they actually saw it as an invasion, something mm-hmm. that came at you that you weren't expecting it, that you weren't pursuing or you weren't desiring. And even recognizing in their response that there is an injury that occurs to us when we are exposed to those things. And I think that's one of the shifts that we can begin to make in our recovery is we begin to understand fully the injury that is done in our acting out, the injury that's done to other people, um, the way that we have hurt them in our choices, but also the injury that is done to us in the exposure to those things that can be so hurtful and destructive. Yeah, yeah. And I I think that's a part of it. That's a part of the boundaries is, you know, being ready to set those boundaries, saying that's not okay anymore. Even if that was part of my past experience, either through sexual abuse, is that, you know, once I create boundaries, I'm saying, hey, I'm valuable and I'm not going to, you know, I'm going to respond to these invasions when they happen, even if I wasn't quite ready for them, but having a plan ahead of time for, if it does happen, what might be my immediate response? Right. And you know, one, one of the things that's just <clears throat> kind of alluded to in this that is true is that for men who are taking their recovery seriously, they cannot protect themselves from all of these invasions and the, this, these unexpected opportunities that can come up. Um, sometimes a, a man will question, is my, am I taking my recovery seriously when this thing happened to me? Was I putting out some sort of vibe or was I doing something? And obviously we do want to evaluate, am I somehow contributing to this chaos? And there are times at the end of the day we have to say, no, I wasn't. This is just part of it. We live in a place, we live in a world, the nature of technology is things are going to come at us that we weren't anticipating, wanting I'm desiring, and it's important that in that moment we find a way to to navigate that. 
And a part of this, and you know, I, I said this earlier, for a lot of men, when something like this happens, their anxiety goes up because of their anxiety about engaging their spouse around it. Uh, oh my gosh, I've got to tell my wife that this thing happened, that I did see this thing, or um, I had this experience, or this person did approach me. And so I think part of it is recognizing as you're able to get clearer in your truth and have a conversation with your wife, your best bet of that conversation going better is if you are in your wise adult. Mm -hmm. And sometimes what happens is you have this experience and this younger part of you shows up and now it feels like you're the little boy reporting to your mom or to your teacher, you didn't do your homework and you've done something bad. And that dynamic can create chaos in the coupleship. Yeah. So if there is something that comes your way unexpected, that you do find a way as a wise man to have a conversation with your wife about that. Yeah. And I do think it's really important, we talked about this earlier, is that we don't hold on to that. Right. You know, that we do bring it into a safe community so we don't hold on to what just happened to me. Yeah. Because I, I, that Debbie and Mark experience I had, that didn't even dawn on me that I got invaded until they said that. Right. Mm -hmm. You know, it, was, it just came out of nowhere. I didn't even think about it that way. Well, and I, I you know, I we, thought I was actually in trouble with the IT department. I'm like, I'm going to get fired. <laughs> uh -huh. Yeah. Well, one, one thing I think is also true is we talk about this idea of triggers being like sparks. And so if initially I just have a spark, I can put that spark out in that moment. And I think one of the ways that we do that is we just share that with other people. Hey, this thing happened to me. This is what got stirred up into me. And, and it's not just talking about the experience, but it's also owning whatever did get stirred up in you, whatever was triggered in you. But if we don't share it, what ends up happening is if we aren't careful, we begin to nurture that spark and then that spark becomes a flame, and then eventually we get burned by it. And so what happens sometimes is we get triggered, our shame gets triggered, and then our shame sends us into isolation, which actually gives the trigger more power and more energy. But if, like you, your example where I just shared it with colleagues, this is what happened to me, or for men who are in recovery, I just shared it with my community, I owned it, I talked about it with my spouse, then that's the way that we're able to release the trigger and it no longer has power over us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, and I was just going to say, I, ever since you told the story, is how uncomfortable was it on an ongoing basis with your neighbor then? Oh, I mean, going forward, where, after she asked, invited you to the Dairy Queen. Oh, that wasn't my neighbor. Oh. So my <laughs> wife was with the neighbor. I was at the lake, and this was just a stranger. Oh, this is this a stranger. Is a stranger woman the, that just, oh, just okay. Up. All right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah, that would have been, that yeah. would be pretty awkward. That would have been compromising <laughs> there, you know. Yeah. Well, I mean, and, and even the way that you described it, she just popped up. Yeah. And I yeah. think that that is a lot of the language that I hear guys talk about, you know, when their computer or... It's these things that just come towards them that are unexpected. Yeah, totally um, And figuring for. out, again, I do think having a strategy beforehand, knowing how you're going to respond, having it already practiced, that's the way that we're able to begin to respond differently going forward. Yeah, yeah, I think that's so important, but a lot of guys don't think that. They, right. They kind of think, well, these are my triggers, but they don't think about like the things that that are going to be unexpected. Right. Well, maybe that's part of the significance of the podcast. We do talk a lot about men, you know, as you're going out, prepare, get ready. We don't maybe talk as much about this idea of when you are out and these things come your way, 
what is the the way that you engage that? And I hope that you know one of the things that maybe people have heard from this is, and our response is complicated yeah. because it's not just what's happening in this moment; it's about what's happening in this moment in some way connects me to my story and my experiences. That's part of what's getting triggered in me, yeah. and so it's important that I can't fully get free from those triggers. I can understand them, though, and then steward them and manage them better when they do get triggered through a current experience. That's right. And that is so important. That's one of the things I did want to kind of really get across today is because a lot of guys that don't respond well to those reactive moments, their boundaries got, like I said, kind of crossed Mm -hmm. early on. Mm -hmm. And so what I want them to understand is planning ahead of time. Be prepared. Yeah, is protecting themselves, something that's valuable. Right. Mm -hmm. And so having that preset boundary that protects them. And it's as easy as like the guy, what I tell the guys in my group, it could just be my example, not a chance. Right. Mm -hmm. You know, they're just going to be something that's going to be ready to go, not a chance. Yeah, because if we practice that language and it's, it's, we're ready for it, it's kind of like learning a new language. I learned some phrases that I know I'm going to need. And so that's kind of what we're encouraging. You have phrases, and one of them is just no thank you, or no, or not a chance. Um, this isn't happening. Um, and sometimes even speaking that to the computer, you know, to be able to say, no, this is not happening. And you turn the computer off, you exit, you leave. Um, but actually finding your voice. We, we could do an entire podcast on the importance of finding your voice in recovery and finding your yes to the things that bring you life and finding your no to the things that rob you of life, but finding your voice when these things come your way so that you're not defined by them, you're actually determining how you're going to respond. Yeah, yeah. and so once again, it's recovering that ability to protect yourself because you weren't protected when maybe that initial event where your boundaries were crossed. Mm-hmm. We expected someone to protect us, and that didn't happen, but now as adults, we have to protect ourselves. Right, and you're also protecting the investment that you've made in your healing journey. That's right. I mean, to the point where you are right now, I'm not about to let someone ruin the work I have put into that. Yeah, so that's exactly Well, Jim, as always, it was great to have you on the podcast with us again today. And I appreciate your time and your your experience and your knowledge. Uh, it's been a, a great subject today for our listeners. Uh, we hope that as you're watching and listening to this podcast, uh, if it's making you aware of a need that you have, Faithful and True is here to help you. And if you're struggling with pornography or any sexual behaviors that are just beyond your capabilities at the moment to control or to stop, we invite you to visit faithfulandtrue.com where you'll find many resources available to you. You'll also find all of the information available for our Men's Journey Workshop, which we host every month here at Faithful and True. The details and the online registration is right there on the on the website. We also have the information and availability to register for the spouses. Uh, we do the women's workshop two or three times a year and also the couples workshop. So check that out at faithfulandtrue.com. We also have over 400 podcasts like this. Uh, Jim's not on all of them. It, <laughs> it just feels that way. Uh, So uh, please check out the podcast. There's lots of great information for you there. Uh, Until we join you again next week, we uh, thank you. And we hope that the coming week will be a week for you that's filled with many blessings and with great vision.